This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Fractal Shepherding. And I am joined once again in studio with Jim Sebastio. Jim, welcome. Thank you, Brian. So you actually just got back from a trip. You've been out west. So tell tell our listeners just briefly where you were and what you were doing. Well, uh, Brian, I went over uh, out west uh, to Nevada, Utah, and Arizona uh, to uh, treat uh, dear old friends of mine, Austin and his wife, Mai Walker. Uh, Austin has been had been laboring in the UK, just south of London, for 45 years or so. Uh, he retired back in March, and he is over in the U.S. speaking at a couple of churches and a conference. And they'd always wanted to see uh, certain parts of uh, our, our country, and uh, I told them that I would take them to the Grand Canyon. So I fulfilled a long-term desire to get them over to the Grand Canyon, and then obviously enjoy some good fellowship. I did an internship with Austin in 1988, so this is the 30th anniversary of 1988. Uh, 25 years old. Thank, yeah. thank you so for dating left. yourself just yeah, there you that go. quickly. But And it's tempting because I know Austin well through your introduction of him years ago to me, which I've been really grateful for. I'm tempted to want to have a whole podcast about just your conversations with Austin while you were out there because he's, made, he's full of wisdom and insight. But we're not going to do that this time. Maybe a different podcast. Okay. For this particular podcast, though, we, we have an important topic that's going to affect that just affects many pastors, especially those who go into church situations in the first few years. And that's, we're going to talk about the priorities that you're to focus on when a pastor goes into a church, an established church, whether it's a church that knows it needs maybe revitalization, that term's being thrown around a lot, or just an established church as you go in to try to figure out what are the priorities. I get this asked all the time. You know, a pastor goes in, he looks and sees what's going on in the church, maybe sees the mess he just took and and overwhelmed by everything he sees. And how do you know where to start and what to do? That's what we want to cover today. So Jim, will you give us a little bit of a, a just a biblical background, how we should think through this strategically? Yeah, Brian, I, I certainly want to give an attempt to do that. Uh, I, I think often of the some of the Old Testament examples that you find men like Hezekiah and men like Josiah. Uh, who were men who were involved in a, a ministry of reformation, and that is coming into contact with the Bible and comparing what they saw in God's Word with how God's people were living at that time. And in some cases, they, they had a very dramatic response, tearing tearing their clothes and you know, begging for forgiveness. In Josiah's case, of course, they find the law of God uh, hidden away, and you, you get an idea that maybe he had certain things and traditions that had been passed down he thought he was doing okay, but when he actually saw the words of God, he recognized that there were things that should be there that weren't, and there were things that were there that shouldn't be. Mm. And I think those are the two primary aspects of, of reformation or revitalization of a church. How do you restore or bring in what is lacking, what God says should be there? For instance, okay, we'll talk about this, but prayer, maybe there's no public prayer. Yeah. Uh, in the in the worship, there's no set aside time for the men, as it were, to raise their hands and lift up prayers to God. And uh, it may be that there's imbalances that are there. And, and if you study the scriptures, you recognize this is something that should be there. There are things that are there. And you now come into the conviction that shouldn't be there. And so the, the question is not really so much uh, how do you go about doing that? We'll touch on that. 
But what what do you prioritize? And, and right. perhaps even before that, how do you lay a, a proper foundation that allows you as a man of God with a good conscience before God, as a, a steward of the mysteries of God, with a sense of stewardship in the household of God, that you're accountable to God, as, as Timothy says in Second Timothy, to preach the word. Uh, before the, the one who, before him, you're going to give an account with the recognition. I'm going to give an account not just for souls. I'm going to give an account for my right? And it's God's estimation that ultimately matters. So maybe Brian, deal with that in that order. How do we lay a foundation for that first of all, and then how do we try to prioritize and say, in kind of a triage sense, this is the first thing, second thing, third thing. Yeah. Uh, in mm-hmm. regard to that. Yeah. So I I think you have to first. Let's establish, Jim and I are assuming that you as a listener, most of the people listening to this, are going to have a high view of Scripture and the role that Scripture is to play, the preached words supposed right. to play in the church. So we're, we're going to assume that. And <clears throat> so that would be the first place I would go. If you, if you believe that the Word of God builds the church, breathes life into the church, then your first priority has to be establishing a ministry of the word, both public and private in that church. And Brian, maybe just even prior to that, we just going on what you just said, that we need to ensure that uh, that we have a biblical definition of the church and that the, that the Bible is sufficient to establish what a church is, what its leadership is, what its worship is, what its membership is, yeah, that's right. and how it's to function in the world. And so that what we are trying to imitate is the blueprint of God's word and not the latest church growth scheme that's out there, not the latest guy who's now got a, you know, he had 20 people last week and a thousand guys this week, and he's giving a conference and telling you how to quote unquote do church and you know, we're not going to do church dad's way. Well, we don't want to do church dad's way or the cool guy's way. You want to do church God's way. And so that is going to the scriptures and, deter- and believing that the scriptures are sufficient. This is so a view of the authority of scripture, which you're talking about, right. but also the sufficiency of the scriptures to lead us and guide us. That's right. And as a, as a side note on that, I will send a lot of guys into a church that are, that's an absolute disaster as all the tribalization work I've been a part of. But there is one piece that will make me tell somebody, I don't care what kind of opportunity this is, you shouldn't go there. That is, if you go to a church and as you interview with them, they are clear that they do not believe the Bible is the authority uh, and is the word of God. Because even if a church is a mess when you go into it, you have to have that. Uh, established because that's what you work from to be able to bring life and and bring change. So as we're talking about changing things, we're talking about, you know, reforming a church and uh, going in and figuring out what the priorities are. You have to have that foundation. So that was the original question you asked. The foundation has to be the word and that being established in a public and a private. Right. So Brian, I think what you were saying there, to tease that out a little bit, is that the number one thing you have to establish before you can do anything else, and this is really foundational, is that the scriptures are authoritative. And if you have people like what you're saying, and, and you may have heard this in the past, sometimes people aren't this blatant, but you you, you have to deal with the, the old twin enemies of traditionalism and pragmatism, yeah. which are always going to confront a desire to be exegetical. And so somebody might say, again, they may not say it this blatantly, but preacher, I don't care what the Bible says. We've always done it this way. 
or pastor that won't work. And so those are the two things you have to deal with. So the one is, we've always done it this way. That's traditionalism. That won't work. Well, again, what are you, again, what's your ultimate goal? Is your goal, is your goal preeminently to be bigger? Is it to be more popular? Is it to get decisions? Is it to get baptisms? Are those your desires? Yeah. Or is your desire to glorify God by conforming that work to God's blueprint? Yeah, that's right. I, I walked into a church. So what I walked into is what I will send other guys into. And that was a church that um, affirmed the inerrancy and the authority of the Bible, but did not know what it said well. Mm-hmm. So as they discovered, as we walked through the Bible, they discovered yeah. what was there. That brought problems. But at least, again, I'm, I still would send guys into that, that environment. But the environment, the church that will not affirm the authority and the inerrancy of Scripture is was one that I don't think there's a foundation you can come in and establish. So right. you have to start there. You have to start with the ministry of the word. After that, right behind that, and, and this is where I think a lot of young pastors get ahead of themselves in this work. You have to commit yourself to shepherd and care for that flock, which means you get to know them in a very intentional way. Right. So new pastors come in, they get so caught up in, well, we got to go out in the community and do this, and we got to do that, and we got to change this, and fix this program. Like, actually, you just need to come in and pour yourself into getting to know these people who you are now in charge of right. to shepherd. Shepherd the flock that's among you. That's right. So, exercising the oversight. So, so it, to sum it up for, for anybody who who's, loses sight of all the confusion and things you sp- say you're supposed to be doing, Paul tells Timothy, say Timothy 4, you preach the word and you do it in this way. And one of the things he mentions is do this with great patience and exactly. instruction. Right. That's so that, is, that that almost hints to this is the foundation of it, and you do it with patience. But then First Peter five, you shepherd the flock of God. Those two passages are the keys, I think, to establish the foundation of going in and, and figuring out what the priorities are in an established church. Brian, you we were out on social media this past week, and you gave some alarming statistics about men in ministry and how many men in ministry now are not going to be in ministry in two years, five years. Yeah. Do you find that? It, it, it sometimes boils down, particularly to men that leave ministry in the first two years, three years, four years, even five years, is that they came in very idealistically, but perhaps impatiently in trying to conform the church to a certain agenda, but they didn't lay the foundation of the authority of God's word. And then I might also add, Brian, I, I think it's crucial as far as foundation, these people need to know that you love them, that you are committed to them, uh, and they also need to be convinced of your integrity. And I think people, when they know that really your agenda is to preach the word in season, out of season, not to bring you know, something you learn from seminary or a conference, good or bad. In, right. in that, you know, I, I mentioned the church growth thing. It can actually be a very good conference that you went That's to. Right. That's right. But you begin to say, to think more, well, I, this looks like that church, or this now needs to look like this guy's ministry, Mark Dever's ministry, John MacArthur's ministry, whatever it is, Brian Croft's ministry. And so you visit Auburndale and you try to reproduce One of Auburndale. these things did not fit in what you just <laughs> exactly. said. Exactly. But carry on. Uh, all right. Yeah, but you you... You have to be careful that what you're trying to do is to say, we want to establish the authority of the scriptures. They see its impact on your own life. That's a man of integrity. They see that you love them 
that you're committed to them. And I think that allows us to say harder things. And our goal, Brian, we mentioned this over lunch prior to this uh, recording, that what your hope is that as you establish the authority of the scriptures and then you preach a passage that touches on something going on in the church, for instance, prayer in the church or the pri- or the primacy of preaching in the church. And they say, well, brother, you know, we, you know our church is mostly music and, and the word is, is relegated to 10 minutes. Shouldn't that be switched? And, and the people are saying it. They're yeah. coming to you almost saying it, right. they're not, it because they're making the connections. That's why they hired you. Right. Mm-hmm. Between, to come in and bring these between the exegesis. Well, yeah, maybe they did. Sometimes they just hired you to, because you're supposed to preach, but all of a sudden as you're committed to, to preaching and begging for the power of the Holy Spirit in your preaching. So the Spirit of God is using the word, not your winsomeness or your intelligence or your power or your charisma or whatever else, but it's the word of God that begins to build the church. Yeah. And it begins to set the agenda. So if we've established that, let's let's talk about it, it, you've you've been involved. You are involved in much more in the subject of revitalization than than I've been in my own ministry. Although I've tried to help men with whatever term we'd use, reformation or revitalization. What do you see as being the? You've got to deal with this. So let's maybe a typical situation: a guy comes into a church and. Uh, there's a hundred people there. There's four hundred people on the roll. He becomes convinced after a few months that fifty percent of those people aren't converted, including half the deacons. What do yeah. you do? Where do you start? Yeah. Uh, and, and the the music is given over to entertainment. They only want a few minutes of relatively shallow preaching. What's the first thing that you do in a situation like that? What do you What do you believe? So I think. Well, first thing I'll tell guys is if we're talking about establishing a preaching ministry, shepherding the flock, those are two things that can change drastically immediately by the pastor coming in and just giving. I tell guys that the the main thing that needs to change in that church is going to change the first Sunday you're there, and that's what's preached from the pulpit. Mm. And how tenaciously you go and try to spend time with people and love them, that's really totally up to you. You don't have to ask for change for any of those things. So that's why another reason we tell them to pursue. But then there are things that you have to be really winsome, wise, clever even to try to figure out when to address them. And these are typically things you cannot address in the first 6, 12, even 24 months. Things like uh, leadership is such a big thing. We, right. we, all stri- we all focus on leadership, but the church will rise and fall based on who the leaders are. And uh, the leaders that you were able to develop and during that time. So that's one of the first areas that needs to be a, a evaluated first. Because in 18 months, you're not going to have the credibility to shake up how the leadership is usually structured. But you, you better be developing leaders by then and trying to make a plan to figure out what leadership looks like in five years. Membership, I think, is a big issue. The standard of membership is what I think is the biggest issue. So, you know, we, there's all kinds of different situations with memberships you can address, but having a standard for membership, beginning to bring new members in to where they understand that standard, and then trying to call the the current members to that standard. <clears throat> That's a, a, a big piece to it. The public worship service on Sunday mornings is the front door of every church. So that's an that's an area that has to be addressed and thought through well. And 
what happens in the public service is is a big deal, not just for people coming in, but it, it's I think where God meets with His people ultimately right. in those ways. So uh, those are the three areas I would stress are the mo- some of the most important. But let me stress that you can begin to evaluate them, try to make a plan to do something about it in the first year. You start trying to make changes, major changes in these areas in the first year. And that's typically where guys get themselves in trouble and, and maybe even fired. Yeah, they get fired. The church gets upset with them. Or again, they get so discouraged because it seems to be moving at a glacial pace. And I think part of what we're saying is, yeah, this this work of transformation may be may be in some ways in some ways, in some ways glacial, in other ways, you know, it may it may come with greater rapidity than we uh, think. But we have to be ready and prepared to let the Word of God do its work. Uh, I was struck recently in in preaching again in in Second Timothy, all Scripture is inspired and and given, you know, or is, all Scripture is, is given by inspiration, it's profitable. And that word there, training in righteousness, is actually, I'm sure you, you, you've done this word study, child training in righteousness, like we've mm-hmm. got a word pedagogy from it. And, uh, and you think, well, how do children learn? They learn through simplicity and repetition. Right. You don't just tell them something once. And, and preachers sometimes have this arrogance about them where you say, well, I preached on this six months ago. I don't understand why this is a problem. Yeah, that's and, right. And, and instead of recognizing that certain things need to be heard over and over and over again until uh, until change comes about. It's, it's striking to see Paul write to Timothy and he says, preach the word with that emphatic imperative there. But he follows it with do it this way and do it with great patience and instruction. Right. And I think the parable of the sower in Mark 4 that Jesus tells is very helpful in thinking about how you prioritize the things we're talking about. And how much the word has to drive it all. To, to your point, the the word is sown and you have to wait if it's going to find good soil. And even when it finds the good soil, it has to take root. It's got to begin to grow. Right. It's got to sprout out of the ground before it even bears fruit. And, right. and I see a bunch of guys who are who say they're committed to the Bible and committed to preaching. And I believe they, they are to some degree. But they go in and like you said, in six months, they're frustrated that things aren't different. What they're missing in that maybe isn't a commitment to the Bible or even to the 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 preached word it's it's a lack of commitment to how god works through patience and time letting the work giving the word time to do its work and and to believe and understand that that's not compromise that's not compromising i think some men may may struggle with that i think because i mean there are certain things you have to look at and say okay if if this or that is really truly dishonoring to god how long do you let that that's right. You know, that, those are those are hard questions and say, all right, uh, I'm the only person maybe right now with this conviction. So let me ask you this, brother. Do you, would, if you were encouraging a guy who comes in you, or you, you say you've sent men to situations where you recognize that you think that there are there are God's people there. There is a general commitment to the authority of Scripture. There's a basic understanding of the gospel. But yet you recognize there's a lot of work to be done. And so you know, we try to talking a little bit about prioritize, would you tell that man to go and just start preaching through a book of the Bible, or would you tell him to go in at first and deal thematically and maybe preach? Uh, you know, I'll, I'll be honest what I did. I first sermon, I, first series I did when I moved to Louisville in 1990, 40-part series on what is the church. That may have been a little bit. 40-part series on what 40 is the parts. church. 40-part series on the church. Yeah. So the identity of the church, the membership yeah. of the church, the leadership of the church, yeah. and the task of the church, the things 
just trying to show them, all right, and, and this was a church plant, and then saying, all right, this is what the Bible says a church is. This is how the Bible says the church functions. These are your duties and your responsibilities to the world, to one another. Uh, this is the, the all of those kinds of things. So that you say at, at the end of that, is this what you want to do? Is this what you want to be? And if you do, I'll commit myself to being here and, and helping you do that. Or do you think it would have been better? I think preaching through a book like Ephesians is one of the things because Ephesians deals with conversion, change, relationships, the church, the family. It touches on a host of things that anybody is going to want to see as you come in. You recognize, all right, there's maybe not a good understanding of what the gospel is. There may not be a good understanding of who God is, what Christ has done in his atoning work. You want to get all of those things established, and then what are the applications of it? So in the scriptures, you often have in the epistles very clearly you have imperi- or you have indicative description, and then you have imperative. You have duty that flows from that truth and, and trying to lay these things out. This is the doctrine of God's word, and then this is how it impacts us. This is how it deals with our relationships. This is how it impacts our home. This is how it impacts the way that we worship. This is how it impacts our witness. Uh, so that, again, these things are exegetically driven and not saying, hey, you know, I, I read this book or I went to this conference or down the street, started doing this, and now they've got a thousand people or whatever the case is. So I don't have a problem with what you did. And I think it was a unique situation, though. So I would not normally advise somebody yeah, to do what you did. I probably did. would not. However, um, and, the re- and the reason I would say that, too, is is that um, I would encourage guys to go in and preach a book to establish what the regular diet of the church is going to be of your preaching ministry from the beginning. Again, we're talking about an established church. You went into a church, you did a church right, plant. Right. An established church has previous pastors who preached in certain ways. And so I would stress two things. One, if you're an expository preacher through books of the Bible, and that's what your the main part of your ministry is going to be in right. the church. You go in and establish that from the beginning. The second thing I would mention is pick a book from the Bible that you will preach well. Right. So I think um, I went in, I came to the church and I preached uh, a couple of topical sermons, just kind of just get to establish a couple of things. Then I preached Galatians and I picked Galatians one because Paul's pretty easy, straightforward to preach. And I was coming into a traditional church that I felt like needed to hear a clear understanding of what the gospel is, what justification by faith is. So I actually picked a book based on, in a sense, what I thought I could preach pretty fairly well and picking a book that I felt like the need of the church was there. So I think you have to try to learn about your church as much as you can and figure out what, um, you know, where you go from there, but establish uh, what your preaching ministry is regularly going to be is I think really important uh, from the very beginning. Okay. Yeah, we, we're running out of time here, Brian. Yeah, so I think as we look at things, so you're talking about really wanting to, first of all, transform people into, if people have a misunderstanding of the gospel, have never really experienced the gospel, you want to begin there because if you're, you're, you're not going to be able to lead goats. Uh, as one man says, you can't pander to their goatishness and expect that you're going to produce you know, godly sheep out of that. That's right. So is my sheep hear my voice and they follow, Jesus said. Yeah. And so getting a, a good understanding of the gospel, a good understanding of the authority of God's word, and then once that is laid out, again, your hope would be that people are going to say, 
hey, if, if, if God is this exalted and our worship is this silly, then there's a, there's a disconnect between those two things. And um, that's something that we want to recognize in our, uh, that somebody's able to come and say, this isn't right. Or um, if that's what deacons are, you know, so you're preaching and you, you're running through First Timothy or you're going through the book of Acts. And they say, well, how come our deacons are functioning this way? And, and so that it comes from people that have come to embrace already the authority of God's word. Whereas if you went in there, first of all, and your, and, and your idea was, I'm going to I'm going to tear down, you know, I'm going to rebuild that diaconate. I'm going to get rid of that head deacon or whoever he is who's a thorn right. on my side, rather than my ultimate goal is to preach the word and to apply the word and then try to work that out. I mean, let the, let the word do the heavy lifting for you, especially in the early years. I will say this, that the point of all of this and the, why this is, needs to be the priority is the way to bring true change and reform in a church is you have to establish the word and what the guidelines are, in a sense, for what, for church life. And you also have to allow time, not just for that, but for you to build relational collateral. And so shepherding the flock and preaching the word are the two best ways to do that. The problem is guys go in and it prematurely change things that get them in trouble because they haven't given enough time to establish a ministry of the word. And these people don't trust you yet. Right. And, and these people have to learn to trust you. And I tell guys, guys will come to me frustrated, impatient. They're in year two. They're in year three. Like, man, I, I have lived with this for two years. This is driving me Crazy, and you know our our music leader drives me nuts every time he leads music every single Sunday, and usually I'll say, okay, is you can try to take this on and change it. Let me ask you this: you, how much easier will it be in three years to do what you want to do, to have more credibility, more clout, you know, to to be able to have more established yourself established in the relational collateral you have with people, and a lot of times it comes down to patience. Right. And so that gets back to one of our fundamental aspects of practical shepherding is encouraging people to, to give themselves to a, a long ministry, That's uh, right. a long, stable ministry, yeah. and not just be a hired gun and not just be your current pastor as a stepping stone. That's right. So final question for you, Jim. The stats I found, I, I did a, a bunch of research recently, and you referenced the numbers I found. I, I thought they'd be something like this, but I was pretty staggered by some of the numbers I got. Right. I saw. Fifty percent of past current pastors will not be pastoring in five years. Eighty percent will not be pastoring in ten years. Eighty percent. I mean, that was just a staggering number to me. Yeah. So what? Seems high. It, it does seem high. I know, but right. but it, but I've checked with several places, several yeah, credible right, places. Right. So my last question to you is: what what is your what is your final piece of advice to help a pastor who's getting who's going in his first couple of years? or getting ready to go to church, to help him not be one of those statistics? Brian, I think ultimately you have to keep your eye on the on the major goal, and that is doing all that you're doing for the glory of God. God is pleased with what you're doing, and not looking first and foremost at fruit for your validation. Um, that if you're looking preeminently at you know, what's changed rather than on being really wise and faithful and patient. So taking all the other stuff that we've said in, you're not going in like gangbusters. You're not right. So John Knox throwing idols into the river, you know, your first week there. 
um, which makes a great story, but it, it, it probably is not going to be what you're really trying to do again as you as you patiently. But but before God, you live. And Paul emphasizes this aspect of ministry. We that we preach in the sight of God in Christ, and that's ultimately what we're doing. We are laboring at, at the at the very end. What we're laboring for is for the honor and glory of God and the well done, good and faithful servant. And that will I think that's what enables guys to be able to stick it out and stay there when they see very little fruit. And even if it's at five years, the fruit doesn't come. And sometimes, honestly, it never really comes till maybe it never really comes. Yeah. And maybe not until after they're gone, but but sometimes the fruit of the conversion of the unconverted that are there, um, the good that we do is seen in the long haul as we ultimately keep that heavenward priority. So let me pray for the for the pastors listening to this that they would be able to remain steadfast and not become one of those statistics based on what we're talking about. Lord, thank you for the the pastors listening to this. And we pray, Lord, you would bless their ministry. Help them to be patient and yet courageous in their ministries. That they would rely on your word, your work to be done, your spirit to be at work in their churches. And that that would help them to be patient and yet be steadfast through the difficulties and the hardship. And we pray, Lord, that you would ultimately continue to change and build, reform our churches in the likeness of Christ and in the way you would desire and in your timing. We pray this in Jesus' name.